I haven't done a quick pod in a while, kind of one of these extemporaneous little sermons in my car. And I had two topics today. They're pretty disjointed from one another, but hopefully I can bring it back together at the end. The first topic is the gospel at the traditional Latin mass today. It comes from Matthew chapter 22. And then I want to compare and contrast two of my favorite saints, St. Ignatius of Loyola and St. Philip Neri, who were actually friends in the 16th century. I'm going to kind of tie that into our little current chapter in church history. Hopefully there is no phone calls that come in or nobody knocks on my door here um, while I'm uh, given a couple thoughts. So, you know, today is the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, and the gospel today was Matthew 22. I want to read you just a little bit of that and then give you my uh, uh, little appraisal of that. And it says here, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. And if there's anybody who can hear me, I think there's 17 people listening. Maybe give a quick note to let me know if my AirPods are actually working on this. Hopefully y'all can hear me. Now, I just read you the ESV, which I admit is a Protestant translation, um, but the word I want to look at today is the word we heard in verse 9, main roads. Uh, what does Jesus mean to go out in the main roads? And I think probably most of you see where I'm going with the traditional Latin mass world with this, that the very people who uh, who should, it says, Ellie said it's working. I'm glad the live chat says that it's working. Thank you. Um, they are working, says Monica. You know, the, the very people in the hierarchy who should love the Latin Mass are the ones that are sidelining it. And that's where I can't help but think, is this an invitation for maybe unlikely people to be invited to the Latin Mass? And I'm going to look at that word. Where does Jesus tell people after the ones who were initially invited to the wedding feast and they reject it? Where does Jesus tell us to go find these people? Well, the ESV that I just read you said, um, highways. The DRB, the Dewey Rhymes Bible that a lot of you read says, or sorry, verse nine in the ESV was main roads. Dewey Rhymes says highways. The NIV, which is also a Protestant translation, says street corner. So I looked at the Greek and the Greek for this word is diexodos, diexodos. It's a really interesting word because hodos is the way Christians call themselves the way. Jesus talks about how he is the way, the, the truth and the life. And DX is just like in English. X is like exit. So it means like exit from the way. So diexodos is actually outlet. If you look in a Greek dictionary, the word there is outlet. And so I looked in a Greek dictionary last night and it defined the diexodos. Again, this is the highway where Jesus tells people to go find people. It actually defines it as the outlets of the country highways and entrances into the city. Let me say that again. It's the outlets of the country highways and the entrances in the city. So who hangs out at these things? This isn't like Jesus talking about, you know, someone in their Mercedes Benz pulled over on the Pacific Coast Highway to just watch surfers for the afternoon. 
if you imagine a big city, um, who's the type of people found on the highways, like a nasty Eisenhower inter- interstate system? This is why I'm calling this podcast the, the hobos of the highways. Um, who hangs out at the outlets of a city? Even back in Jesus's time, probably a city would have had you know people walking the streets on any day except the Sabbath, going to markets and stuff like that. But outside of it, you're going to have bandits and homeless people and, and whatever else. Now, this is my little dovetailing of social justice to the traditional Latin mass world in this whole thing. But I do want to point out how important it is to be welcoming um, as the Latin mass world grows. Ironically, as it's trying to be strangled out, it's growing, as everybody knows. Um, good morning, Trevor, on the live chat there. And Taylor Marshall has a great podcast on why we have to be welcoming and charitable in the uh, traditional at mass world. So there's no need for me to repeat that. But I I do want to build on that and just say, you know, um, as we build up the traditional Latin mass world, as the people who should accept it are trashing it, as we build it out and go to the the hobos on the highways, um, I'm not saying we have a low bar on modesty. I'm not saying we have a low bar on who comes to receive Holy Communion. But I am saying we want to have a low bar on like who's invited the coffee and donuts before mass. We do want a low bar as far as who is going to be invited over to your homes for dinner. I mean, don't don't invite predators over for dinner. Obviously, we do want a low bar as far as entrance into adult education. Now, graduation from uh, adult education, you want that bar to be a little bit higher. Um, now, of course, if there's an atheist listening, they're going to say, oh, so you're just like dangling a carrot in front of people. So it looks like it's fun until they get involved in your cult. And then it's like super hard. No, I'm just saying the Christian life is a race. And when people first show up, they're barely going to be walking They're You know, the, the culture we're in right now is truly the walking wounded. And so um, be compassionate as people approach the Latin mass world that not everyone's going to be ready to run at first. This is the hobos on the highway that if the Christian life is a race, the very initial approach to this race is going to be pretty slow. And I think if we take today's gospel as literally for our lives, it should be very clear that as the very people who should like the Latin mass, and really this isn't just true for traditional Latin mass communities, this is true for any Christian community, um, that the walking wounded you should have a different bar as far as accepting them, welcoming them, teaching the basics of the gospel. And then later, hopefully they can be at a, a jog or a sprint um, with you if anyone's actually at a sprint. I think that's the point of part two of this whole thing is really how hard life is on a lot of us. Um, and so the Christian race um, is is hard. And the the highways that Jesus is talking, again, this isn't He's not saying go out to the Pacific Coast Highway who's who's there in their uh, in their benzes. Oh, they're they're welcome at the Latin Mass too. But the hobos on the highways are the unlikely people that are accepted to this. And so just realize as you um, as we go deeper into this weird time in the church crisis, it's going to be interesting people showing up at the Latin Mass. Um, again, I'm not saying a low bar for who comes up to communion. That's the priest's job to to figure that stuff out. Um, remember, in the early church, the Latin Mass, the very first half was called the Mass of the Catechumens, and the second was called, the second half of the Mass was called the Mass of the Faithful. Why? Because the Catechumens, those who were not baptized yet, they were dismissed right before the Sanctus Sanctus Sanctus, right? So the Mass isn't entry level Christianity. This is why I'm talking about like coffee and donuts and family time and inviting people over and adult education. That is entry-level Christianity. 
And this is where we have to uh, kind of grease the skids in the Latin mass communities to make these places very, very welcoming um, for those that are going to be uh, refugees if there's another lockdown or whatever else. Okay. Now, this is going to seem a little bit on a totally different topic, but I want to talk about two of my favorite saints, and I'm going to try to bring it all together a little bit. The 16th century had two of my favorite saints, St. Ignatius of Loyola. You know, he was the founder of the Jesuits. And then you had St. Philip Neri, who was a Italian. Now, my first year in seminary, I read so many books on St. Philip Neri. Um, he was kind of a holy fool of the West. The East has a lot of holy fools. He was basically the priestly version of St. Francis of Assisi. Very, very penitential. But, you know, life was, I don't want to say life was a joke to him by any means, because too many people make him out to be a clown. But he was very lighthearted, loved practical jokes, really liked to trash his own honor, much like the Eastern um, holy fools. And St. Philip Neri um, had a very powerful Pentecost experience in the catacombs of Rome. But he had this very Italian spirit that was, um, as I said, extremely lighthearted, liked to play practical jokes. And even though he was extremely disciplined in his fasting, um, his his oratory that he founded ended up having um, really kind of uh, very few rules um, so that there could be some freedom in the day. Now, let's look at someone like St. Ignatius of Loyola. Later in my priesthood, I was so obsessed with, with Ignatius of Loyola. And by the way, I had eight years of Jesuit education. Uh, so that was kind of a part of it. But when I really realized that the Jesuits weren't kind of the loosey-goosey description, when I really looked at Ignatius of Loyola and Favre and Francis Xavier, I mean, don't be scandalized by this, but there was chunks of my priesthood. I was thinking just as much about St. Ignatius of Loyola and Francis Xavier as I was Jesus and the apostles. So I really, really, really loved the Jesuits. Um, but, you know, St. Ignatius of Loyola, he had this conversion from a really bad life um, to become one of the greatest saints of the Catholic Church. And in that, remember, he was he was born, raised, and converted into Spanish Catholicism. Well, why is that significant? The longest war in history had just ended. It was 800 years long, the Christians versus the Muslims in Spain, kind of uh, ended actually by Queen Isabel of Spain. Funny thing is it was an 800-year war and it was ended by a woman. Um, she kicked out the Muslims and took Granada and everything with her soldiers. But anyway, you know, um, Spanish Catholicism was really formed in the forges of the fires of 800 years of a war. And so Spanish Catholicism was really militant. And this is why Ignatius of Loyola, when he founded the Jesuits, had these super watertight parameters for personal resolutions and um, how obedience works and all that stuff. And I keep dreaming of those days again. But now pay attention because here's where kind of this shifts a little bit. I still love the Jesuits. I still think they're responsible for millions, millions and millions of people in the Eastern Hemisphere and Western Hemisphere being Christian to this day. But as we are in a time when the leftists in the state and the leftists in the church are so obsessed with controlling us, so obsessed with directing us. Remember my direct my definition of Catholicism and Marxism? Catholicism is seeing that God is the one who directs you. And then Marxism is the way of seeing that man directs your life. Well, right now, we have way too many people in church and state being extremely heavy-handed in breaking their own rules, breaking the own the church's own rules for being extremely heavy-handed. So even though I'm not overturning, overturning my great love of the Jesuits, how their uh, tight hierarchical system and resolutions and everything made millions and millions and millions of converts, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on video here and podcast today and say, 
I really think we kind of need to turn to the way of St. Philip Neri right now of um, relaxing. I mean, the way, by the way, they were actually good friends. Ignatius, St. Philip Neri tried to get Ignatius to join the Jesuits and Ignatius sent many, many men to the oratorians in St. Philip Neri. And finally, um, oh no, sorry. It was actually Ignatius who was actually trying to recruit Neri and Neri sent a lot of men to the Jesuits. And finally, Ignatius said he's like the bell outside the church that sends people in, but doesn't come in himself. So they were good friends. Ignatius tried to recruit Neri for the Jesuits. It never happened. But St. Philip Neri did found the Oratorians. And if you look at how, if uh, if Ignatius's Jesuits kind of reformed 16th century Europe to make, um, to overturn Protestants and bring people back to Catholicism, St. Philip Neri reformed the very broken clergy of Rome in the 16th century and he brought a lot of people to confession. Um, a lot of families, a lot of young men came to him for confession. And if, if the Jesuits reformed Europe, St. Philip Neri reformed Rome. But his way was this kind of Franciscan, lighthearted, joyful way. He would bring pa- Palestrina out to play music. They'd have these huge picnics. Even though Philip Neri fasted like a champ, he wanted everyone eating good food at these picnics and stuff, you know? And I think as we're in this time when the leftists are just so obsessed with control and everything, probably in our own personal lives and in our family lives, it wouldn't be the worst thing to really go the way of Palestrina, the way of big picnics, the way of, and this this ties into the hobos on the highway, inviting people to these picnics, relaxing a little bit. You know, personally in my life, I just have on top of the uh, two hours of divine office and and mass and rosary, I keep adding all these things of like exercise and two things of mental prayer. And then, and then when I can't meet it, it all flops to the ground. And I just am so angry at myself. And I realized I'm trying to live this Jesuit life in a world that is a lot more like St. Philip Neri's Rome. And maybe I'm not saying I overturn all these resolutions because I have to keep praying the divine office. Um, I want to say my daily rosary, at least five decades, hopefully up to 15 but I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, you know, we better relax a little bit while maintaining our approach to holiness, running the Christian life with Christ. But in accepting other people, we can't expect people to live this hierarchical control uh, that maybe worked for 16th century militaristic Jesuits. Um, right now in church history, yeah, we do want to fast. We do want to pray. We do want to accelerate the race to follow Christ as much as possible. But it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And this is where I think we need to look a little bit as we grow our churches, um, as we go to the hobos and the highways. Remember the uh, outlets of the country highways, the entrances into the city. We probably want to do this like um, like Philip Neri and bring people into our communities. So um, I've rambled long enough. Looks like that's 15 minutes in. Um, thanks for listening to these two topics, the traditional Latin mass gospel? How do we bring the hobos and the highways into our communities? And really that's true, not just for traditional Latin mass communities, but any Christian community. And then um, how do we live that? Um, We do keep our resolutions, but they should probably be minimal so that we can also follow Christ in freedom as a thousand things get thrown our way. May Almighty God bless you on this Sunday. Have a great day. Pray for me.